Welcome to our first special edition episode of the Campus Hoops podcast. Um, here again with Eric, uh, and we're out of our normal schedule. Um, it's Thanksgiving week, feast week. We've had a lot of great action in the college hoop scene, but I will be in attendance at the Thanksgiving Hoop Fest in uh, Duncanville, Texas, Friday and Saturday of this week. And I'm getting the uh, enormous opportunity to see a lot of the premier high school seniors, juniors, sophomores in the nation compete against each other in this tournament. Um, Eric, you know, this is, this is a great opportunity. There's a lot of unknowns discovering talent. Um, you know, we, we want to kind of get into how some of these guys, you know, Montverde Academy is going to be there, prolific prep. A lot of these big national programs, Sierra Canyon, you know, how, how, easy it is for guys to develop at places like this versus uh, the, the homegrown schools. And I don't necessarily want to pit it as a bad thing, homegrown schools, but not everyone can be selected to these to play for these schools or um, even afford to do that. But uh, it's, it's a great opportunity to, to find some new talent going into next season. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, what an awesome opportunity that, uh, you have and that is going to end up being a great thing for this pod and for other people to uh, come back and get more information from in a unique different way uh, that they haven't really seen yet. our first bonus pod man it's awesome I think it's it's a great idea and I think hopefully hopefully the fans like it and are like the kind of different different route we're taking but yeah what an opportunity like you were uh, saying earlier on the when we were just kind of talking and um, that all these teams at least have one uh, top 150 uh, or top 100 recruit in the next either three classes, the 2020-21 or 22. So the amount of talent that you're going to be able to watch, it's honestly probably going to be overwhelming. But at the same time, it's going to be awesome because these guys are the next big thing in college basketball. And that's the, the passion that we for sure share and the reason that we started this whole entire thing. So it's going to be awesome for you to get out there i'm excited i'm jealous for sure that you're gonna be able to go to that and uh i'll be doing my own normal life here but it's gonna be <laughs> awesome yeah I'm, I'm really excited wish we were both able to to make the tournament together and and uh provide a, a fuller experience to everyone listening uh, but you know the reason we are doing the episode today instead of sunday uh or i should say in addition to sunday is because we've actually set up um, our first guest to appear on the podcast. That would be Kendall Provost Jr., uh, who is a a um, specialist, I should say, in in terms of the the scouting realm uh, in high school sports. Um, he's at Kendall Provost Jr. If you want to follow him on Twitter, uh, but he will be joining us Sunday to provide more insight into some of the specific players, their development. Uh, and what we can expect from them uh, going into the next level. Uh, but today we want to kind of look at uh, some advantages or disadvantages of, of guys at, at this point in their development. Um, you know, the, the, the aspects of going to quote unquote public schools or that the route that the majority of us took going through school versus guys that have the opportunity to go to, to what we call these prep programs, Montverde, Oak Hill, um, 
you know, the, the chance to play with more five-star talent guys that are going to Kentucky Duke, uh, for example, and, and seeing how, how well or how quickly they can develop at the next stage and impact the game. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting, interesting topic that we bring up. And when you look at it, you almost guaranteed every single year, whether it be uh, going into their freshman year, or even some kids will just do it for their final senior year. Um, you know, every year, a high level, uh, a high number of high level players end up doing it. And just being here in Indiana, I'm just seeing it uh, first person. It definitely happens um, all the time. I think this year is uh, DeAndre Davis, I believe. Uh, I could, that could be wrong. I would need to double check that. But I know we have one, Indiana has one big time top 100 ESPN recruit that ended up going prep over going to his regular public school. And it's interesting that the, it's, it's interesting for the reason that usually sometimes these kids are already even committed to their school and yet they still want to go to the higher level and uh, not even the higher level necessarily, but the more known national program and continue their, their career there and not, and then just go away from the school they've gone to for some their whole life. And but at least for those first two or three years of high school, so it's interesting. The relationships they had, probably they had to bring brand new relationships. But then again, like you said, they're going against playing against higher level people that will probably get them better prepared for the next level. So it's always interesting to see that happen. And it obviously sucks for, uh, in Indiana's case, the IHSA. Hey, we don't want to see those type of level players leave because we want to see them battling in the state championship against one another. But at the same time, you got to understand it to some point. But obviously you want to you want to have the highest level at your public schools as well from us coming from a public school i'm sure with me playing and uh i'm sure you were in, involved at least in watching the team if you didn't you might have played actually i don't even know we haven't got to that point but <laughs> if uh either way it's it's obviously a big deal and it's been a love for us since we were who knows how old so rooting on for our public schools or playing for those public schools is a huge deal for sure. Where in the private, I don't know if you really get that. It's just kind of nationally by default, bigger and better per se. Right. And, and for, for reference, you know, Montverde Academy is bringing in uh, eight guys over the next three classes that are ranked 71st or higher. And that includes six, five-star guys in those classes. So the amount of talent compared to say uh, Manor high school, which is in Texas, um, has one player over those three classes uh, outside the top 100. So, I mean, you, you know, it, I think it's, it's great that uh, you can have guys emerge through the public school system, but I think there's an element to going to one of these prep schools uh, that allows guys to further their game and, and take that next step quicker. Um, you know, in, in uh, the college game, uh, you know, the, the smaller schools that, that have these buy games against, you know, Alabama and football or Duke, uh, as we saw the other night against SFA, the, the guys that go to the smaller schools absolutely want to play the best teams in the nation. I don't think it's any different here. Um, the, the best guys that have emerged in the rankings have this, you know, unique drive, uh, even above four-star guys, three-star guys, potentially, you know, I'm not going to exclude any, any possibility, but but saying that these guys are just animalistic in their preparation, um, 
trying to get to the next level. So going against each other every day in practice, going against these other prep programs nationally and, and going on these tournaments and tours and, and whatnot, just being able to, to better their game um, and come right into college with, you know, just, just running, um, you know, not missing a beat and being able to immediately put up 30 points like Cole Anthony, Cole Anthony has. Um, you know, I think it's just, uh, not not everyone gets that, but you know, for those that do, I think it's tremendous in their development. Yeah, and just being a coach and being around the game for so long as well, I think I can speak and say a thing I hear a lot or I've heard growing up is a lot of ways the best way to get better is to just play the best players. And that's kind of, I think, a lot of what their mindset is going in. And real quick, to um, correct myself, it wasn't. Uh, DeAndre Davis that went to prep. It was Jaden Ivey, the guard from Mishawaka. He ended up going to Lawler May, which is a private prep. He's going to Purdue. I got DeAndre Davis mixed up. He's the one that was committed to Nebraska, decommitted, and now he's at Louisville, but he's staying in public school for his senior year, so I wanted to make sure I gave the correct information on that. <laughs> but back to what you were saying, yeah, I think playing against those higher-level guys, is gonna. It's, it almost makes them just find ways – just naturally to, to make to make the right play, to make the positive play. And even the opposite way, they're going to mess up probably a lot more by playing in the higher competition. But they're going to – the best players are going to learn from that and then become better afterwards. So, I think I, – I don't think I even want to – like you said, I don't want to call it negative either way. I think both have their benefits uh, to one another. Now, I will say if I was a head coach for that public school that – uh, my best player just left that's going to a high caliber division one. I, it probably wouldn't sit well with me for the first couple of days. Hopefully, hopefully there'd be a laid out conversation about that. But like I said, it is what it is and it's probably tough for either side. And I'm sure um, those prep schools have their own duties of uh, trying to get those kids, more talented kids to come every single year as well. So nothing against it, nothing not that I love it either, but it's part of it. And, hey, it's going to give you a chance to go and watch some extremely high-level players uh, all in one gym uh, for the next two – or not the next two days, but these two days coming up for the weekend. So, in that case, it's awesome for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great opportunity. I'm not going to uh, slant any opportunity to see a stacked team like that uh, play, play anybody. Uh, but I want to I take it a step further um, – after Cade Cunningham, who's playing for Montverde, as I mentioned before, um, committed to Oklahoma State roughly a week or two ago, uh, I mentioned that there's the possibility that more guys are going to be drawn to that program because of his natural talent. It has happened. Um, three-star guard, I believe, Montreal Pena uh, has committed to the program as well. But Rondell Walker, who's already committed along with Cunningham and Pena, all played for the same AAU team, Texas Titans. Uh, so what, what I want to get into is, you know, we talk about playing against the best of the best uh, in these prep programs, but these guys play all year round. They're, they're constantly playing basketball competitively in some format. Uh, having guys on the same summer program uh, where, you know, it's basically all-star team against all-star team from certain areas, uh, you know, having – that chemistry already developed and going right into a collegiate program. Maybe not all of them will start immediately, but having that, that chemistry familiarity, 
knowing each other's tendencies can only be beneficial, right? Yeah, I think, honestly, that's an awesome uh, thing that Oklahoma State has going for them. And there's in no way, I think, is there a negative that you can get out of that for your program because there's no way that those three dudes would all go to the same college if there was any beef between anyone because obviously those three young men are in full control of where they end up going to school and Oklahoma State was not any of their only offers obviously so yeah it's got to be positive for Oklahoma State and obviously they could have got probably just Cade Cunningham and been satisfied with this class almost you got to think just from where they are and where they have been as a program getting these other two um, one top 100 and another one not top 100 but still a talented player obviously uh it's got to be big and like the chemistry you can't you can't coach chemistry so having that immediately come in and i'm already being on the same page uh can only be a positive for, for the oklahoma state team yeah and and uh not to to underscore any other texas titans players that are in this tournament jacoby coles uh is in this tournament he's a more of a point forward type guy uh headed to butler and Mike Miles is also here, point guard, uh, who's currently uncommitted. Uh, but Eric, you know the the how much benefit do you think comparatively for for guys that say uh, having multiple four star guys or or a five star guy with you know quality class? How how productive do you think those guys are? Is it more system based? Is it more chemistry based or do you think there's this huge extra benefit of having guys who've played already coming into a program? Uh, uh, Yeah. Ultimately, in all honesty, I think the best coaches out there and the best recruiters are going to find talent, whether it's on a team that goes two and 20 or a team that goes 30 and one. So I don't know if either one necessarily favors the other, obviously if you're, a high-level guy and you don't go to a team with multiple five-stars and you're the obvious face of the team and the player that's to go to, you you might get more recognition and looks from that, but you also might be getting a lot less wins. But ultimately, college coaches aren't looking at your high school record, right? So they're looking at you as a player individually and your talent. Obviously, most coaches are probably looking at character and how do you deal with adversity and to as much as they can obviously within the within the rules of all that recruiting process for the NCAA but I think at the end of the day it's about where can you be the best you where can Zaire Williams be the best Zaire Williams whether that's playing at Sierra Canyon which obviously he is with the talents of Bronny James Zaire Williams uh, Zaire Wade or is it more of a just or even a guy that just like like for instance uh, uh, DeAndre Davis that's it, it decided not to and is going to stay at Lawrence Central and here in Indiana and be the best player on his team obviously and the go-to guy and for those guys it's obviously different as well because they've already been committed and they really they're just going to you would think at this point they have a hundred percent team mindset which you would hope most guys do but it's hard to say that a lot of these guys that are uncommitted. Uh, aren't playing for themselves in some way just because they're thinking, oh, I'm, I need to get this offer. I'm good enough for this offer, and I'm going to go prove it right here, right now kind of thing. So I think there's multiple variables that come into it. But ultimately, I think the best coaches slash recruiters at the highest level 
John Calipari, Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, Mark Few, you name it, uh, is going to find find the talent that's right for their program, whether they're playing with four or five stars or they're playing with no other guy ranked in the top 200 in the in the nation. So that's, that's kind of my take on that. Yeah. Um, so we, we want to pivot a little bit. You know, there's, there's plenty of five-star talent in this, uh, this tournament, um, several of which are still uncommitted. So we kind of want to um, go through their recruitment a little bit and see possibly what situations uh, would be most beneficial to them and where they could possibly end up. Um, the, as the one Eric mentioned already is Zaire Williams, who plays for Sierra Canyon. He's the number five prospect in the next class 2020. Um, and he's considering Arizona, North Carolina, Duke, Oregon, UCLA, USC, and Stanford. Uh, as far as I'm able to tell, um, from the national recruiting specialists that that is his full list for now and has not been cut down any more than that. Um, for, for a while, he's been largely considered a North Carolina lean because of his ties with Caleb Love, who's also in this tournament and is already committed to North Carolina. However, recent developments, um, would suggest that he's probably not going to leave the West coast. Uh, Stanford, I believe was the first team to offer him and pursue him. So they are in the lead, but there's also some momentum swinging towards Arizona and Southern California. Um, where the Trojans already have the number one prospect, Evan Mobley. So, uh, Eric, you know, I know, I know there's a lot of possibilities still on the table here. Um, but with, with USC, you know, that, that has to be a, a great opportunity for him to team up with Evan Mobley there. Yeah, that was the first thing that I was going to bring up. When you, when you think of USC, it's almost similar to the Kate Cunningham situation where Kate Cunningham – went to the not obviously Oklahoma State and USC are well-known teams but their programs aren't necessarily I would say top top notch right now so for USC to get the talent of Mobley that that in itself probably is doing half of the recruiting but for the rest of this class you have to think um, what a duo that would be right you got your got your wing you got your man in the middle uh, to build on for probably just one year but still that's how many of the best teams in the nation do it these days. So that's obviously huge. Uh, and also speaking of USC, I just looked on uh, Zaire's Twitter beforehand. And I, when you scroll down and I didn't go too far, but you get far and you look and you see USC more than any other school on there. And I don't know if that's just because he has a buddy, maybe that's there or what that, what that's all about. But just from a quick glance, you definitely see uh, a lot of USC and like you said, him staying in the West Coast with Stanford, Stanford first school to to recruit you. And personally for me, I think that's a big deal. Uh, the school that was there from the beginning, the school that believed in you, not the school that saw you were getting looked by, by all these people and their first and second options go by the wayside and then they come back to you. Uh, but on the opposite of that is you look at it as, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Arizona was his last official visit from what I so I know he, they said he was looking to take one to Oregon, but I'm not sure if that ever actually happened. Um, but or is Arizona in the case where they're the freshest in his mind? He's looking at guys like Nico Manning and Josh Green, and who knows if they'll stay right now, probably projected that they wouldn't. But how's that, how, how does that play out? I mean, take it when he, he's obviously waiting longer than most other recruits. Um, and him and Jalen Green being the lone top 10 uh, guys that are, 
not committed, I believe. I think with Greg Brown uh, to Texas that he kind of – the top ten was done. Maybe not. Is Josh Christopher going to UCLA yet? He has not announced anything. I think he's been kind of kind of quiet on that. And I know, um, you know, he was heavily considered to go to Kentucky, but their class has been so – so dominant and so many guys going in there that, you know, he's considering other options. Okay. Yeah. Well, nonetheless, these guys obviously are waiting a lot longer than most of the other high level players. So you got to wonder if that plays into it. I mean, you got the, like I said, first rule that comes to you, I think would be hugely on his mind. And then uh, USC with getting Mobley and then Arizona being the most recent. So I don't know, as a, uh, as a Tar Heel fan and a realistic one, I think UNC is slowly going more and more out of the picture. Uh, and like you said, I could definitely see USC. And I think I would say from the little that I know and I've seen, that I think USC is my favorite for him right now. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not sure how this would play out. It seems like the year that uh, Onyeka Okongwu is having at USC that he's likely to leave. Um, but also – Evan Mobley's brother is at USC right now, Isaiah Mobley, and was a five-star in his own right. So I'm really interested since he's kind of gotten uh, third-wheel treatment uh, with Nick Rakasevich there as well, being very productive offensively, how his draft stock's affected, and if he stays an extra year um, to, to play with his brother at, at this level. So it's definitely something to watch, I think. Um, I'd still probably lean Stanford a little bit at this point, but I, from, from his perspective, you know, I think USC would definitely be a more talented team if he joined it. Yeah. Um, one last quick, one last quick note on that too, is currently Evan Mobley is the only 2020 commit for this, uh, USC Trojan team. So you want got to wonder if that thinks, do they think, uh, do they believe that Zaire's going? Is that why they don't have any other commits? Or just you wonder what the mindset is with that. So, I mean, currently they're the 72nd uh, ranked class in the country, according to uh, 247. But like I said, it's, that's just another kind of factor that goes into that. Right. I think, I think they're about to get another one soon, actually. Uh, and Jalen Clark, um, another member of the Compton Magic AAU team, which Evan Mobley was on, and he was – previously committed to um I, I can't remember off the top of my head but he he opened it back up and got a usc offer so it's definitely something to watch there um that that aau team has close ties and they tend to follow each other uh playing in college but uh you mentioned jalen green as well who's a very dynamic prospect he played with devin askew who committed to kentucky recently on the aau circuit for team why not um but he's he's down to Memphis, Oregon, and Auburn, but he hasn't completely ruled out Florida State, USC as well, or UCLA. Um, he has Fresno State in there, which is hometown team, but I personally think that's a little bit of a uh, kind of a fluff entry there just because of, of giving love to his hometown, which is, you know, fair enough. But uh, I, I think it's interesting here, you know, with Memphis getting so much momentum last year with their class and James Wiseman, that they're not getting a lot of activity this year. And I'm not exactly sure how high green is, is intending on, you know, considering them. I, I tend to think that Oregon and Auburn are the favorites there. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And it is interesting to see how Memphis has no really uh, 
definitely nothing comparable to the 2019 class that they brought in. And you have Oregon who has lots of talent. Um, but obviously they have some guys that are going to probably return as well. So where Memphis has a lot of guys that are projected NBA guys and that you would expect to leave if things go, go the way that they're supposed to go. So in that situation, very interesting. But Jalen Green, I mean, he's a guy that can literally change the whole outlook of a team. So it's a, it's a huge, huge thing for him. But it looks like from what I've seen too, Oregon is – is the lead on that, and that'd be a great get for for Coach Alton the Ducks. I think that'd be a, a really interesting decision either way. You know, if he he went to Auburn or Oregon. Um, first off, I read a quote that said, you know, he prefers a smaller town because it allows him to focus. So that you know gives more uh, pull to those two schools. But you know, Oregon is likely to lose Peyton Pritchard, which I think that's no choice anyway because I, I believe he's a senior. But uh, you know, there's big questions there for Dana Altman and, and who's going to be their ball handler. Um, Jalen Green can certainly do that, but I don't expect him to be that kind of guy. Uh, I do think they have some some guys still in consideration, but Auburn's really in- intriguing to me. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about is also considering them, um, and they they currently have a five-star recruit in Sharif Cooper. I believe he's number 10 in, in the 2020 class. Very elite scoring prospect as a guard. Um, getting green would only provide Bruce Pearl with this formidable backcourt. Uh, electric scoring for both of them. Um, having those two guys together could really cause some noise in the SEC. So for me, that's something to watch. I can't really put my hand on which way he's going to go. He's kind of been very quiet in his recruitment so far. Uh, but, you know, one of those two schools, it'd be, it'd be program changing, like you said. Um, the, the last guy we're going to talk about is Jaden Stone. Um, he's down to Auburn, as I said, Alabama and Baylor. He's more of a, a slashing two guard type. Um, I, I will have more information after this weekend, but, um, you know, that's what I've seen from, from his tape and, and Nike camps so far. Um, but I, I think, you know, being in Nate Oates uptempo system, Alabama could be an easy fit for a player of that caliber. I'm kind of hesitant on Baylor because they they have a, a great class now uh, and their team has been good this year. I'm not sure how much playing time he would get immediately to contribute. Uh, and that can always change with coaches' perceptions of guys. But uh, to, to me, I think, you know, lopping him in with Cooper and Jalen Green, assuming that happened, would be huge for Bruce Pearl. Yeah, what a – I mean, that's a really good duo right there. Um not sure Auburn – I think Auburn loses a, a decent amount this next year, if I'm not mistaken, either by uh, by graduation or to the draft. But, yeah, I don't I don't honestly know a ton. Like you said, you watching him will give us a better, a better clue. But I am not super familiar uh, with Jaden Stone and his situation. But, obviously, he's a – He's got to be somewhat of a player if he's in the top 100 in the in the nation. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, who knows? Maybe he'll come back and tell us he's he's a little underrated according to these rankings, and then maybe we'll be into that a little bit more. But yeah, I think it's just a kind of just think about how crazy it's going to be that you're going to be able to see this this level of guys and uh, up and close. Not it's not film anymore. It's actually 
end game where you can see some more stuff than just their their highlight films and all the good stuff. And you can even see maybe some flaws, uh, which is obviously just as important as as the stuff that they do at a extremely high level. So, what opportunity you're going to get, man? Yeah, I mean, just just from being able to see the the Adidas gauntlet this summer, you know, seeing Evan Mobley and a couple other guys firsthand, you know, it it just gives you so much immediate information that you can't see on highlight tapes. So I'm, I'm really excited and especially to be able to see, um, you know, different guys and even guys coming up. So, uh, it's, it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited. Uh, but that about does it for us. You know, uh, we're still going to have our episode this Sunday, so stay tuned for that. Um, we're going to go over everything that's happened uh, with all the drama in the Maui Invitational and Battle for Atlantis tournaments kicking off today, uh, as well as speaking to our special guest, uh, Kendall Provost. We're very excited to, to talk to him, uh, getting into some of the, the games and players that are going to be at this tournament. Um, as always, our Twitter handle is at campus underscore hoops. If you want to stop by there, uh, we do currently have a poll up, uh, to vote on for our next game of the week. Eric and I were having some trouble deciding between a couple great games that are happening. Uh, and also I will throw up a list of, of the, the guys we were talking about and all the, the top guys that are going to be at this tournament. If anybody wants any scouting information or anybody specifically mentioned in Sunday's episode, please feel free to give us a, a message or, or a mention on, on the, the photo. So um, we look forward to hearing from you guys and providing you another episode this week. Everyone have a great Thanksgiving. Peace out. Peace.